Okay, so we are back. Uh, so yes, I was going to speak, well, we're going to speak now about uh, systemic racism, basically, and that the whole of the United States, or basically the Western world, not just the United States, we've seen that a lot also in Europe, that is said that is built upon systemic racism or, or that is still systemically racist. Um, I think we all know what systemically racism actually means, but then I, I wanted to explain a bit, because we spoke about this shortly before, how would you then define the Brexit movements or the black people that say, I am not oppressed. I do not feel the oppression. For me, I am equal as my white brother. Um, how do you wrap your head, your head around that in a, in a way? Well, I can't specifically speak for anyone in the black community, but I, I think in terms of Latinos and Latinos for Trump and women for Trump. Yeah, that for example. Yeah, yeah okay. Let's take Trump. that. Yeah, I can absolutely understand where that's coming from. It's 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 out of survival. Assimilation is so powerful when when you are someone who is actively marginalized by the state that you will do anything in your power to get closer to that power itself. So in terms of violence against women, for example, that exists outside, of course, outside of, of white supremacy and of white people as well, it is still actively like inflicting power dynamics that are imposed upon you to someone else. And so Latinos for Trump, I, like Cubans in Miami, for example, mostly lean <laughs> towards Trump, lean red. And it's a big aspect of that is because they don't want to lose um, the benefits that come with being um, a refugee in terms of like the, the, the first step rule or, or in terms of how Cuban, Cuban refugees um, get to establish themselves in America because if a democratic, if a blue president comes through, there is an, a, an opportunity for Cuba and the US to establish its relationships and the refugee status disappears. So to some extent, it's I want to be able to exist in this country. I wanna be able to succeed in this country and this country solely functions on white supremacy. So I will assimilate as close as I can to that to survive and to benefit from whatever I can. So in that term, you have feminists, you have white feminists, like Susan B. Anthony, um, speaking of, I want to be able to vote um, for my white female interest, instead of saying, we want women to vote. And it's because you're assimilating yourself still to the whiteness, because that's what gives you power over your gender. And in terms of Latinos for Trump, or I can imagine black people, black people for Trump, it's, it's, I want to, it, to some extent, I want to be white and I want to have power. And I'm not saying that everyone that does that inherently wants to be white, but that power that they want is white supremacy. And it's the only way you get power is by inflicting harm on other people in this country, especially. Okay, so it's a bit, again, saying like, I'm going to choose something because that benefits me more on a personal level than the bad things that could come from this other side of, of society, basically. That's what, they, that's what you're saying, that people will vote because this benefits them. So they're willing to commit to this white way of, let's say, this white American supremacy, uh, even and though it in terms of class solidarity as well, in terms of religion. And I think that's like an inherent issue we have with bipartisan politics is that there is only two. And so you will have to compromise most of your values to vote for someone as I have for Joe Biden. But yeah. it's just in terms of like someone who is um, a person of color or who is an immigrant could be deeply religious and they could vote solely on their religions. And that yeah. is the reason why someone would support Trump. I inherently disagree because I don't believe that Trump represents any value, especially not religious ones. But it's again, it's grasping to the closest thing that gives you any sort of power. I think also evil, that is a survival tactic that people have to employ. And yeah think that it's 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 really difficult to get out of it it's very difficult to see further and to be able to imagine a party or politics that could actually benefit you as a full person not as solely the the, the part of your power you choose to compromise this was also for example when i saw some numbers that said that basically minorities are the ones mainly against abortion and are mainly these communities of personally cultural or, or religious background. I mean, we can see that in Europe, most of the people that are against um, abortion or gay marriage are deeply religious people, right? Uh, and most of the deeply religious people are mostly immigrants coming from outside because the rest of Europe isn't, Europeans themselves aren't really any more religious in that way. But you could say that again in the United States where I think was it, I think it was throughout the 80s, 90s, that most of the people that were against same-sex marriage were from the black community. 
So if those people still are today, they'll probably basically vote for Trump, even though they're, because they're people of color, they'll get oppressed on one way, but the other way basically benefits them more because of their ideas or values, let's say. I think, um, I think that separation of the church and the state is an inherent um, part of democracy. And the completely, fact completely. Yeah. Any, any discussions about religion within politics are inherently anti-democratic. I agree. Regardless of what group of people they belong to these arguments. So I think in terms of religious minorities um, or like very religious people trying to implement um, laws that are inherently religious, it's these laws like and I can only speak for like Christianity and Catholicism in, in Latin America. It's it's this religious thought wouldn't have arrived to Latin America if it weren't for colonization itself. And just because America or certain progressive states can see further than religion at this point because they've evolved as a community, Latin America is still trying to get out of the results of colonization that left the countries literally barren from like the like, land almost barren and the constant obviously interaction from the United States and from Europe. So I think that like these religious, um, a good example is Ecuador, which is mostly indigenous and they voted 98% of them are, are Catholic or Christian. I'm sorry. I don't know which one, but they voted against probably the Catholics. Yeah, probably Catholic. They voted against yeah. birth control. And although that the pe the group of people that made this decision were mostly indigenous people, native to to um ecuador that yeah. still is um the argument that of the la like voting against birth control for religious catholic case that only exists because of colonization yes um, isn't isn't wouldn't have been wouldn't have been forced down um the throats of indigenous people to begin with in latin america Okay, but then we don't really know how it would have been otherwise right and there's something where we don't know how it would have ended up either if 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 the colonizers wouldn't have arrived, we wouldn't but the, know what, but the what would have happened. The conditions for abortion maybe would have been different. A lot of the reasons why people get abortions is because um, there isn't healthcare. There's no appropriate healthcare. Maybe their bodies can take it. Maybe um, they can't afford to have this baby. They were, they can't stay in their house if they have this baby. They can't um, receive money from the government. There's so many reasons that that we can't even think about what these communities would have done before colonization because we live in such a different world where abortion is something that is necessary because of the situation that we're in. Yeah, and because we wouldn't have known, I don't think, I think maybe we should realize what, what happened throughout history, right? And what were the different dynamics that went, that, that, that went about. But my, my problem with, with keep going back to the same thing is that we don't really know how it would have ended up. And that's an issue. Me, me personally, I consider myself a Catholic and I'm still pro-choice, right? Uh, to a certain extent, because uh, I, I personally don't think that you can abort a eight month old child, right? No. And the thing is, no one does unless they're, unless the baby's life is in danger or yeah. their life yeah. is in danger. Yeah, okay, not, but, but it's it, an issue. Exactly. It, 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 it's taken to two extremes. It's taken to people saying an embryo, uh, a fetus can't be, a, a two-week-old fetus can't be killed when it's not, I mean, for me personally, ha hasn't even acquired his, uh, his judicial personality yet at that point. It's not, it's, it's not a human being at that point. Um, and then other people go in, uh, we have the right to choose over our bodies and that can be interpreted in a way saying that you don't have the right to choose over your body because a baby is a baby. And then people need to differentiate when a baby actually does become a baby. And that mm -hmm. conversation hasn't been actually, let's say, agreed upon. People say four weeks, people say 12 weeks, people say eight months, uh, it really depends. That discussion, that discussion only exists within the realm of, of it because this religious law exists. Like, and I'm talking about abortion laws that are being considered that mis having a miscarriage, you have to bury your baby. You have to bury the, the, the clump of cells that came out when you had a miscarriage. That, and that, there's like abortion itself wouldn't even be an issue back before colonization because there wasn't a government the way that we know it now to intrude on your body that way. But a lot of different religions are anti-abortionists. Muslims are anti-abortionists. No, but I'm saying those are all religious institutions. And, I'm, and if we're talking about before colonization, then we're talking about religious religions that aren't in the institutions that we know them to be today. Religions that have nothing to say about abortion. Because again, the concept of a, of, of a clump of cells, like of a, of a baby having life before, at the moment of conception does not exist outside of the Bible. Science yeah. says otherwise. Science says the baby isn't alive until the, way later. And so- And Jews also think that in the Torah. That, that what? Jews. 
about at time of conception, that's when yeah. I, uh, and that is also an institutional religion, you know? And so I'm saying like the fact, like these, these arguments wouldn't be in place before the institute, like religion as we know it was imposed upon them. Yeah. I mean, on, on, on that point, we completely agree that the, the, the state and religion need to be divided. And that's a big question also happening in Europe uh, with the Muslim community and also in, in Muslim countries where the secular state is a very big issue in, in, in that regard. And it's something that we're really trying to the fight for, right? A secular state free from religion. But we can see that religion does have an impact on, on, on our morality, let's say, on our moral structures, because that was the thing that brought, let's say, if it was all right to kill, if it was all right. Um, but we can speak about religion on, on another interview. I, I don't want to go too much into that because that's a, a very, very broad topic specifically. But um, I wanted to get back, uh, just to give an example, for example, the Pope two weeks ago actually endorsed gay marriage, right? So, yeah. you, have, so you do have some sort of, of evolution or progress on this side. Uh, sure. Some sort of evolution and a progress. Sure, but the Pope, honestly, like um, the Pope should have nothing to say about anything in general. Like I'm saying- yeah. Authority that like as a Jew and outside of that as a human that has nothing to do with me what the Pope thinks yeah and, like, but it does for the Christian community so for, for so for majority Christian countries they would like to know if the Pope says now I endorse gay marriage the majority of Christian countries will say okay we accept gay marriage right I disagree I disagree because that's not happening and and in terms of like um Amy Coney Barrett what we're seeing about believers of God they don't believe in any virtue of God. They're racist. They're like a lot, a lot of the people here, they're racist. They're spiteful. They're rude. They're, they, they inflict harm on people. They cheat. They, they steal ballots. They burn them. They try to kidnap people. They, they threaten people with guns. None of these are Christian values. The Pope saying that gay people are okay. Finally, a little bit too fucking late. Doesn't, doesn't mean that suddenly deeply um, homophobic people who justify their homophobia with the Bible will suddenly feel differently. The Bible itself didn't even, the word, um, like the, where it says in the Bible that a game, that a man that lays with another man should be stoned. That was a, when a man lays with a child, that man should be stoned. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was changed. So again, if we Interpretation know, of the text, which we see in a lot also in the, with the Quran and, uh, yeah. and with Islam happens the same with Christianity, something which I said all along. But now is that I think that's a very big difference between Europe and the US. I think the US is a lot more uh, religiously based than Europe in general. I think Europe has become a lot more secular in that manner. Specifically. Don't you have Christian Nazis though? Uh, not really. I mean, you uh, have. Really I mean, you have. I mean, you do. Okay, no, you do have people in government, and that's something I deeply criticise that they keep calling upon religion, right? But this is again, we're talking about the big variety the big variety of political parties inside the political spectrum, which is not the US, which is bipartisan in that case. I mean, you have so many different parties in most of the European countries. So it can really go from, uh, from socialist, social democrat, liberal, uh, libertarian, minarchist, and then conservative, or then even a bit more than conservative, where usually they do start to invoke the Bible uh, in that regard. But generally people that, the, most of the population that regards themselves as Catholics, generally, do adhere to the pro-choice argument, do adhere to uh, the uh, the same the same-sex marriage argument. So, I think those are separate conversations and separate issues that do differentiate a bit Europe from the US. Where, like I said, the left has done a good job to bring these social rights, let's say, onto the table, and the right has been adhering to them in in Europe, which might not necessarily be the case for the US, because you have the Republican Party, and then within that party, you have quite very conservative Republicans, uh, libertarian Republicans. Um, so, so it changes a bit. Um, let's put that, I think we'll put that aside about religion. And I think religion is a very, very interesting topic, but we're going to get, uh, I think we're going to get towards the end now. And, um, uh, okay. So we're speaking about Black Lives Matter generally. Uh, I want to finish with Black Lives Matter before we get into the, uh, the elections, let's say, and see what's going to happen next week. Um, so specifically with, with BLM, I think there is a conversation to be had and issues to be resolved in the US specifically regarding the black community in the United States. Uh, my problem with, with the whole systemic racism thing, which I said before, is that it's just not, one to, it's not just one factor to consider. It's not just by simple fact that they are black that they're being oppressed. There are different factors that come into play. One example I gave was uh, throughout uh, uh, single childhood, right? That a lot of parents 
statistically, young people will get more into criminality if they live in, uh, in single-parent households, right? Mm. And throughout history in the US, that has been changing. In the 30s uh, and throughout Jim Crow, uh, black, black people, uh, f- I think it was around 15, 20%, only 15 or 20% of black people uh, were born out of wedlock, right? And then in the 70s, when Jim Crow got abolished and throughout the, the, the social rights movement, so civil rights movement, sorry, um, that exponentially increased. So if there's already a study that we know that young people, regardless of the color, um, that live in single parent or that grow up in single parent households are more inclined towards criminality and that we see that same exponential increase in black communities, couldn't that also be a factor in why maybe more black people proportionally are maybe in criminality or proportionally why they're being stopped or or searched or, or put into prisons? Well, I think that um, it's it's the same, like it it's all from the same thing. Um, again, with the statistics of the rates of black um, men being incarcerated, black women being incarcerated, black trans women being murdered, black women being murdered, um, black men being murdered by the police. Um, there, the 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 opportunities for employment after you go to um after you go to jail and you have a criminal record your opportunities for employment might not be in your city might not be like the options that you have as a black person growing up in the america are already severed by the years of 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 like by the foundation of this country being racist a really big reason is that like the jails are filled up by black men who've done really truly nothing wrong like having two grams of weed in their pocket nothing that white people don't do and so it really is um a term like a a cause of of um, imprisonment and the lack of opportunities and also redlining and and how how violent the the communities are in itself because of the constant policing but also the systems like the gang systems that developed in terms of protection for themselves and of their people because the state doesn't represent them so all these all these factors of, of the single parent household are directly related to the constant criminalization of black communities. And the fact that that's used as, as an argument for why people could be more criminal, if we're talking about abuse within households, which also is a factor of criminality, that is very prevalent in white communities as well. But that's not addressed because violence is seen differently across race lines. So in terms of, um, of again, because if we're talking about people who get criminalized specifically for drug usage, which is most of, of the people that are in jail, it's because it's we know that white people and black people use drugs at the same rate. If we're talking about violence against women, and that's why people are in jail, we know that that's very, very prevalent in white communities. If we're talking about rape. We know in terms of like fraternities and how that functions in schools. We know that's very prevalent in white communities as well. But who gets criminalized? Who gets tried? Only the black community. So that's why the statistics are so 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 insane. But so it's it, not necessarily the law in itself that prejudice. It's just basically the way it's implemented and 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 how it gets targeted, how it focuses specific groups of people. It's it's. I think a lot. I think laws are a lot of laws are racist in themselves because again, it's like drug laws shouldn't shouldn't exist. Like they they were born out of the war on drugs and they are racist in themselves. And similar to like, like laws of, of sodomy, <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? Law, like all these laws that were made to criminalize gay behavior, to criminalize black communities. So there are absolutely racist laws, but of course the way that things are implemented, it's not the same for everyone. Same as public education is not the same for everyone. It's intentional mm-hmm. and it's not an accident. It's, it really is intentional. Okay. It's set up this way. Yeah. It's also, one thing which I wanted to address, which is very interesting, about how the Black Lives Matter movement got translated into, into Europe, uh, specifically into the UK. I don't know if you know this, but in the UK, policemen don't really carry guns. Only one, one out of 20 policemen carry guns. And it's been like that since 1936, more or less. Um, and the issue was that in 2016, 2017, when the first marches happened in, in London uh, for the Black Lives Matter movement, their, their way of reivindicating their rights, more or less, same thing that's happened in the US, was walking on the streets, lifting up their hands and saying, please don't shoot, right? Because that's what basically what happened in the US of saying that black people are being targeted by the police and through firearms and being shot uh, completely in an arbitrary manner. Now, <laughs> yeah, we could take that, we could take that. And then, and then they go to the UK, and then they go to the UK and they do the same thing in the UK where 
there's policemen in the UK don't have guns and we do not have the same problem with, with guns and black men being targeted by the police in the UK. Um, and, and that's an issue how it got translated in a way where it shouldn't have gotten translated. And it's bringing a lot of um, bad narratives or, or opening a Pandora box in the UK, which we, which, we, which we pretty much haven't thought about for a long time. And, it has, and that conversation hadn't had to be had in the UK. And now people are bringing up the same kind of narrative that the UK is a racist state uh, or that the UK, a lot of, a lot of well, my whole family in the UK is basically from the left. Um, they're the first one to say that the UK is n not really racist. I mean, they've never seen actual racism in the UK. They never thought it was racist in, the, in that regard. So, well, I yeah. think in terms of, of, of you saying that um, the UK hasn't thought, hasn't, it, this is a Pandora box, like, I know black people in the UK, and that's not the case. I think it's, it's very much you, you, it's what you experience and what you see, and a lot of, it's very easy in the UK maybe especially over the u.s to turn a blind eye to um, racism because it's not as obvious as it is in the u.s perhaps there's literally murder of, of of black people in the u.s on the street for no reason but it goes to the u.s came from the uk um the like um the, these values and, and and this racism like the uk is guilty of colonization the u the uk still in, is in latin america on in the in the in the islands, <laughs> colonizing part of Argentina, part of the South. So it's like the UK, its history in, with India in general is extremely racist. And the same way that um, the America was built on the the backs of slaves, the the UK was built on the colonization and on the money and on trade and on forcing um, itself upon um, uh, upon a lot of places in the world. And I think that does maybe again, there's not. Um, there's not, they don't have weapons and maybe not lethal weapons in their hands, but a good friend of mine was protesting in London and they got kettled for like six hours. They got deep, a group of people during COVID couldn't use the bathroom, couldn't leave. I was seeing it with my own eyes. Cops kept them kettled for hours and hours without letting them know when they were going to leave. That is bad. That is really bad bad okay Did let's get back because there wasn't violence being committed there wasn't things getting broken there wasn't like there was nothing wrong they got kettled for hours and hours and hours yeah we can get back to, to the uk but also the uk were way before the united states when it came to black rights and generally they've never actually been biased in 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 legislation towards black people that was already since the 18th century uh or even before with the also with the uh with the Declaration of Human Rights, right? And all this that the UK has been pioneering inside the, the Anglo-Saxon uh, law or code that has been later on translated towards uh, United States, Australia, and basically the whole of the Commonwealth. So, so, so in that regard, I mean, there are some things that the UK did get right way before the United States. So I don't think it can be translated in the same manner. Black people in the UK have been having rights for a lot longer than black people in the United States. In the United States, it's been 40, 50 years. And, and, I, and I can't disagree with that, but in terms of the situation now and how racism functions, to, to say that racism doesn't exist or isn't prevalent. And isn't, no, of course it exists. Of, no, no racism exists. Very prevalent in, in, in the UK communities, like hair laws, for example, which do exist. And like what hair is professional, like what hair you can wear to school. Those things, although they might not seem as violent, again, as obvious in the US, that is still racism being committed. And, and that is still like white supremacy in action deciding what is professional what is harmful what is good and what is crime one i don't thing know that the uk one thing that the uk has been doing is doing for example for job applications not having to put your picture on job applications for example and that's something that i, I, I actually do agree with who actually judge someone by their by their physical traits whether they have tattoos on their face or whether they are black or whether they are asian or whether they are uh arab or whether they are white so that's something that the uk has been doing before so um yeah. I, I think, I mean, yeah, okay, we can speak about uh, semi-racism uh, in that regard, but I, I completely get your point. I just don't think that the problems in the UK are the same problems that might, ha that might have been happening in the United States, and it should not be translated in the same way, whether it's in the UK, in Spain, in Belgium, or anywhere else, because I've seen marches in Belgium where they do not at all portray what's happening inside society. People now are claiming to be, people now are claiming to be oppressed when they're not really oppressed. The thing uh, is, you can't decide, like, you, you someone who claims to be oppressed like you can't decide if, if that is a valid 
um, claim or not. I think especially like in, in your body and in the way that you've, that you've lived your life, I think it's very hard to, again, attribute what is oppression and, and to what I agree. has suffered. But I'm saying in terms of Black Lives Matter, it, this, isn't black, this isn't the police um, shoots and murders Black people in America with their guns in their pockets and no one says anything. That, that is a specific, that is part of the problem, absolutely. That is one of the reasons why um, th this has ignited empathy in so many people because you see the violence, you see the murder, right? But in terms of racism and imperialism and the lack of opportunity for people of color and the reign of white supremacy, that exists deeply in every single country, in every single community. Colorism, even in fully... Um, even in fully black communities, there is colorism, there is skin lightening, there are all these things that are results of white supremacy. And I, I when, when all this, especially in June, um, was reigniting in the Black Lives Matter movement, I took the time to translate for, our, for my country because so many, of this, so many of this is not being translated adequately. So I translated and I said like, the, like the foundation of the police in the, in the South is, comes from slave catching, right? It comes from vigilantes, who dedicated their time to catching slaves that escaped. That turned into the police in the South. Yeah. The, the Argentina does not have the same, the same system of the police. We were not founded on that exact, exact point. But Argentina has a history of genocide within its own culture, has a history of racism, has a history of, of self-colonization in terms of, of taking further land away. So I think that the, the Black Lives Matter movement absolutely applies in Argentina. Absolutely applies. Wouldn't it be Brown, li Brown Lives Matter in that, in that case? It, it, no, because it is also about Black lives. Argentina has had Black people in its, in, in, its, in its country. The genocide was towards them as well. But it's about this, this inherent violence that needs to, on behalf of the state, that needs to end. This is also about Black women. This is also about Black trans women. It's inherently about this. And it's, and you can say, oh, I've never seen a black trans woman in my life. That doesn't mean that she's not getting murdered. So I think like in, in a lot of senses, like this is not strictly about the police, although in the US that is one of our biggest, most urgent problems, but it's about the racism that exists in every single community in the world. Okay. Uh, yes, I think when we speak about the world, um... I think we should take stuff into account when we speak about Western society and specifically when it happened, what's happening in different uh, continents, like in Latin America or in Africa or in Asia, uh, because they're also kind of, uh, well, there are some, a lot of problems in those countries. But my whole issue with the oppressor oppressed is that in some way, we're always going to be an oppressor. In other ways, we're always going to be oppressed, right? In, in, in that manner. And also the way with, and I think we can finish through this a bit through the reforms. My problem with some sorts of reforms or the reforms that say that you might be portraying or the people on the left might be portraying will basically mean that we need to abolish the current system, what we have now, and try to build something better as if thinking that we can do that better than our predecessors that have already tried it. What, yeah. what, what would change now? What would change in, in that okay. manner? This is actually like, I do this exercise um, with people who I have this conversation with. So like, let me paint a scenario to you, right? Yeah. So okay. You are in an apartment building. You're living in an apartment building. Yeah. And you are in your body. There is a man, you're getting home from a night out and there's a man in front of your house. We'll say he's white. So there's no, gen there's no racial prejudice with this. He's white uh -huh. and he's losing, he's yelling and he seems not well. He's yelling, he's moving his hands. You don't know, he has a bag. You don't know what's in there. You go into your house. You don't say anything, but you keep hearing him yelling and you look out the window and you feel threatened. What, what's the best case scenario? How, what's the best case scenario for that to be handled? Okay. So you're saying I live in an apartment, a white yeah. man comes in no, shouting. Not, he's outside. He's on the street. He's in, okay. He's in the street. Yeah. Okay. And, and you, and like, he's yelling and, and you can't, you're annoyed and you're also a little bit worried. You don't know if he's going to try to come in later. You don't know what to do. Right. Um, yeah. what, what's the best case scenario? Trying to think of this in a vacuum of possibility, which is difficult. So, but... I'm in, okay, so to get the, the thing straight, I'm in my apartment, I'm looking throughout the window and I'm seeing a guy shouting on the street. Yes. Basically. Waving his arms. You Waving don't know his arms and going crazy. Yes. Um, well, I think, firstly, I would look at, I will look at that person for quite some time and see exactly what his intentions are or what kind of 
things he might be trying to do. I mean, whether he's okay or whether it can be someone that's feeling pain for whatever reason. If I see that the person isn't dangerous, I would go downstairs if he keeps shouting and speak with mm -hmm. that person. If, if I see there's no danger for me or for anyone else coming there, right? If I see it can be someone that can cause danger or imminent danger, I would most probably either uh, speak with my neighbors and say, I don't go out. What should we do and see with them? Maybe someone already knows what to do, or I would most probably call the police mm -hmm. uh, in that regard. Yeah. So you call the police. Yeah. What do you say? How do they show up? Do they have their sirens on? How many cops? Like, give me the, the, the perfect, the best case scenario for you. Basically, scenario, uh, they shouldn't put sirens on. They shouldn't come too many people because there's no imminent threat in that specific time. Yeah. Uh, around two people, let's say two policemen, because mm -hmm. uh, they usually go, need to go in pairs. I don't think it's safe for a policeman to go on its own. Uh, and they would come and uh, they would speak with the person. Actually, the other, this is actually funny because two weeks ago, I was coming out of a conference uh, regarding LGBT refugees. And we were on the street just when we came out of the conference. And this guy came shouting towards me. Yeah. And, 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 and the police was near, right? And he came shouting and he said, he, he's a baby kidnapper. And he was pointing at me saying, he's a baby, he's a baby kidnapper. He's, a, he's a, an arms dealer. And he started just inventing this life about me, right? And we're like eight people on the street. And then he was pointing at me, telling the police, this is, yeah. the, guy, this is the guy that killed how many babies? The guy, and the guy was completely nuts, right? Yeah. And the police understood that. And they were like, they say, okay, come here with us. And then they start to speak to him in a, in a calm manner and everything. So I will say that in that regard, I think uh, if you're not sure what kind of threat a person might, might bring, I tried to speak with the guy a bit. And then the police basically just calmed down the situation and, and took the person with them and see a bit what was the problem. Yeah. So, 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 you, you, so the, these policemen, they talk to this person and they take yeah. them with them? Uh, no, he walked with. I mean, they, they, they didn't handcuff him. In this, in this scenario that, that we're talking about, in this imaginary yeah. scenario. Um, so the cops come yeah. and, and they talk to him. Yeah. Right? And what do they say? They ask him, what's up? I would ask, hello, uh, you, what, what I saw here in Belgium, what happened to me was basically the same situation. It was like, hello, sir, how are you? Uh, what's the problem? Could you please explain? Uh, yeah. And then they will start discussing um and yeah they'll basically just come and have a conversation with the person if if, yeah. if he doesn't have imminent threat of course but again like are the are the cops um do you think they have the training to to like and we're t i'm going to talk about the u.s which is they yeah. have the, the same amount of training as someone who goes to beauty school right as a cosmetologist yeah. so it, we're supposed to like these police are supposed to determine if this person is in, in well health or not without having any any background on mental health training yeah 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 that, that, yeah that's true and and non-biased um they have no they have only biased background of, about drug training that was something that happened with george floyd and uh and, and, other so, people. and so in terms of like what you talked about getting your neighbors and getting someone to come speak to this person if you feel threat but that person like do you think this person this person that's yelling this hypothetical deserves jail no no do they deserve, deserve to be detained? Depends. If he starts acting violently, then maybe yes. What's violent? Like hurting someone? Um, so let's say, for example, someone that's not mentally well, because then that, that we could suppose that someone's on the street shouting and that person is not mentally stable, right? For whatever again, reason. If we're talking again, you, even you and I, about mental stability, yeah. do you know what, me what a mentally stable person looks like? Do you know how to determine what mentally stable is? No, right? Generally, you, if you speak with a person, you can see if that person is in charge of his emotions and uh, and of his acts, and that's what I would what I would call mental stability. But someone could be on drugs, or someone could be from a different. Someone could not learn know the the language that you're speaking and be very distressed. Someone could have gotten recently discharged from a hospital. There are so many factors outside of um, of mental stability. So I'm saying like, yeah, but through body that, language, what that how that person is acting. Yes, but all of that in terms of the education that you have on that is inherently biased. It's like what we determine is crazy is very specific and we determine as someone on drugs is very specific. How we determine someone who's mentally unstable is very specific. And I think that the only thing that you can determine as a person in that situation is how much of a risk you personally feel, right? Yeah, okay. okay. And so I think that the fact that if you do call the police, like I'm, a, I'm in that situation, right? Uh-huh. And I'm a woman, so there is the added threat of, of, of me being worried about getting raped, right? Uh -huh. So I, if I see someone like that um, and I, I feel risk, 
I, and I call the police in the US, this person could be shot, this person could be arrested, this uh -huh. person could be detained, this person could be physically hurt, or this person who maybe is a homeless person just going for a walk and maybe actually did a drug or something, gets taken to the other side of the city and has to walk all the way back. It's none of these just because I feel some sort of threat. Abolishing the police, which you know, again, a lot of the, these calls that the cops do, like cops don't deal with sexual assault well. They don't deal with mental health issues well. They end up killing people with mental issues. Um, they, they don't deal with, um, with domestic violence issues correctly. So all of these, these aspects where we say we desperately need the police, we're, we are not getting the assistance that we need. So if we talk about robbery and a cop getting there in time, if the results of, a, of you calling a cop because of a robbery is a life lost, then that's not worth it in my eyes. And, and what would be the alternative? So, the, so again, that's why the scenario that I paint, because it's not immediate threat, but it is, again, threatening to some extent. My alternative is I call someone. I have a way to call someone which is funded through the money that's taken out of the police who has experience in mental health, who comes with a first aid kit of, of, of Narcan and of overdose medication, right? Just in case, who comes, two people maybe, yeah, they can come together, who has worked in, in a mental, um, who has training in how to speak to someone, who has trained in the art of de-escalation, which is a real thing that cops have no training in, who doesn't have, who hasn't a weapon maybe in the car if they need it. There are policemen that have training in that, specifically for, for, for suicide attempts, for example. There are policemen that are trained for suicide attempts or, or firemen that are, are trained for suicide attempts. But then you don't really know if that person is mentally ill or not. So what if that person does present a physical risk? You're just going to get yeah. that same person. Take, take for example. Yeah, absolutely, because it's not, it's not a mental... Uh, Someone who's trained in mental health isn't just to deal with people who are mentally unstable or who have disabilities. It's mental, in terms of mental education, we all need to know because in terms of body language and facial expressions that you and I think that we know how to determine something, only people who really do study through science, through anthropology, through experience know um, what the sign of someone who's actually mentally unstable because mental instability can come from an actual, from um, um, like a mental health issue or a mental illness, or it could come from a drug overdose, or it could come from trauma, or it could come from so many different things. Which Completely. Are different. But what if that person... Different health factors. What if you don't judge correctly? The citizen does not judge correctly the, the person, right? The person shouting yeah. in the street, and they think he's just mentally ill, so I'm going to call this mentally... Per, this person that's uh, experiencing in mental issues, right? Uh, and and then... And then it turns out that the person is violent and it has a gun under, under his shirt and then it starts shooting people and those, and those people weren't trained to uh, physically arrest someone. Well, that's why I'm telling like men, uh, someone who's trained in mental illness isn't specifically for men, um, cases to do with, with mental illness. It's you need someone who is trained in de verbal de-escalation and someone who is trained in mental illness. Even Policemen are trained that way. I don't know how it happens in the US, but here it is. <laughs> Telling you from the bottom of my heart, that is not the case. Not, not in the US. Not in the US. Nowhere near um, the way that they should be. So I'm okay. saying uh, these people who have guns should already be equipped with this knowledge, regardless of the turn of the situation, because whenever a cop shows up, it turns violent. I agree. I agree. Before, it was violent now. And okay. that goes back to the protest. But, but in that regard, instead of, for example, movements like defund the police or abolish oh, the police yes. or abolish the police, let's say. Uh, shouldn't it be more reform the police or reform the policing system that the, that the policemen or the new recruits do have this training in, in, in de-escalation of situations? There was this example which I gave that happened in the UK, which if this same thing would have happened in the US, it would, just, it would have been a bloodbath in the street. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to give you the example. It was this guy in the, in the UK basically running in the street with a katana uh, or, or, with a, or, or with a very big machete. And what happened that policemen there, they started to, well, the guy was, went complete nuts and he was on the street with, with a big machete. And what policemen did, they, they started calling for reinforcements and they came with, um, with, uh, with riot um, um, shields, right? And, 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 they, and they started going around the guy. Not one single fire was shot. No one single person was hurt. They just started uh, going around the guy with, with the shields. So they put him on the ground to so take off the machete and then they took him into custody. In the United was States, that would have happened with shots. No, was he white? The what? No, no. White? Okay. No, he was not. 
So they took <laughs> um, in the U.S. They took a school shooter to McDonald's before um, taking him to jail. The thing is, <laughs> cops um, have the alternative, right? They already have the alternative because they could not take out the gun and not murder someone for a $20 bill falsification, right? The thing is they want to and they can. And that's something that cannot be reformed. Again, if we're talking about the foundation of policing in the South, which is slave catching, right? Slave so catching. what would be the alternative for physical restraint? When you do need people that need to be physically restrained. Absolutely, but I'm saying if, if, if that physical restraint comes and, and that different type of policing comes, it won't be biased by race the way that it is now. But then it will still be the police, but a different, just under a different name, because that's basically what the police does. No, the police, the thing is like the police is employed by the state to enforce the state's rules and the state's um, laws that again, with drugs, with abortion, with all these things that have truly nothing to do with um, the general public. Like for example, a big majority of the, of the country wants gun control. A big majority of the country wants legalization of, the mar of marijuana. But because this country doesn't function as a full democracy, we don't get that. And policemen aren't um, people who do good but are biased. The, the policemen, 40% of cops estimate, um, are, are, uh, are domestic abusers in their own house. Like if you literally just Google 40% cops, it will show up. 40% of those- So who people, would run this new policing system? I, well, it's, it, in a lot of senses, it would be community-based. That funding would go to the people who are already trying to establish programs it would go to education it would go to mental health training it would go to mental health facilities instead of prisons the prisons because again they want to keep people in jail because jail produces free to cheap labor jail produces firefighters that that risk their lives in the california fires but once they get out of jail they can't legally become firefighters they they the the prison industrial system works for capitalism it has nothing to do with criminality, it has nothing to do with with right or wrong. It, it really, if you look into what actually happens within the jails and who funds them and who gets money out of them, it, it really shows that it, it's it's an, it, slavery has evolved and it, it it has been reformed into the prison system. If you look at who's in jail, the ice camps, mm -hmm. that is the most inhumane thing that's going on. And like that is a modern day, like how that's if that were happening in anywhere in America, that would be considered war. That would be considered like, it's, it's very drastic, the harm that's being created for, for the assumption of, of non-racist laws or, or any sort of peace by white people towards anyone else. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced specifically with the police because I don't think that's a, that's an option. You do need physical. You're not Restraint. Yes, but, yeah, but do you understand that there still is a way to train to, to, to apply that? that I agree that there has to be a reform. There has to be a reform within policing, right? You there has to be a reform. Wait, so you think something that has evolved from slave catching can be reformed into something not racist? You think something with a with the foundation of of like the foundation is racism because it's slave catching. Uh -huh. A foundation, a racist foundation could could produce anything but racism do you really think something like that could be reformed you think nazi the nazi party or any product of the nazis could be reformed into something that benefits jews no never because it was Vol not groups like that volkswagen that was from the nazis and that was still reformed and, and we don't call volkswagen a fascist that's very different than who decides what's right or wrong and who decides but they're not the same people that's a basically you're you're saying that the that that the, that the descendants of these people are guilty because of their father's crimes but which it's not that, that, that system and its laws and it's a country that was built on this to enforce like it's different than oh this is intention is if this is what's built to create this heaven for white people and for men where they can reap anything they want and 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 everything else is property it prop the concept of prop of other people's property keeps evolving absolutely making someone more for minimum wage. There was a legal Bracero's law that allowed um, the U.S. to fly in immigrants for seasons and then fly them back out to live in their countries. It's, it's, it, that is yeah. legal, tra legal human trafficking. I'm yeah, trying to that say has been, 
but all of these things of created by the government and and ICE and and all like the fallout of nine of nine eleven and having homeland security like all of the every single one of these laws are furthering the state none of like every single thing I've mentioned none of that came from the will of the people none of that and that's all enforced by the police. Wouldn't you wouldn't you agree that these people are voted by someone? For example, the government is voted by the people. So that's also some source of democracy. But not everyone gets to vote and not all votes are counted. And I think especially the way that our electoral system works, no Republican president has won in the last 20 years, I think. Through With the, the electoral college, college basically. The electoral college, that, yeah. That's something that explains how people actually do um, define democracy. Your representative can vote against the interests of the people they're representing. That is inherently undemocratic. Yeah. But not only even in terms of the, of the general votes, voter suppression the way that it works like the polling places in brooklyn compared to manhattan can you explain voter voter, suppression voter suppression is is a way that the government that the government in place um or or like state governments keep specific communities from voting how do they do that they do that by offering very few polling sites in specific black and brown communities or or blue communities so more they, obstacles to vote exactly they, they they keep poor people from voting um people in jail can't vote people who which a big part of the black community um people who like if you do want to vote you have to wait eight nine hours in standing in the rain in some conditions to vote early so um, that can be reasons why people aren't as motivated to go vote. It's not even that they're motivated, it's that they're actively kept from voting. People who can't take a day off work, which mostly is people from people who tend to be democratic um, in, in terms of the blue states, people who tend to vote blue, they can't take off work because they work minimum wage jobs. Therefore, they cannot go vote. Here so, in Belgium, you can have a day off at work le- legally to go vote, yeah, for example. That's not, the case. that's not the case in the US. That, and all of these that, are, yeah. Yeah. Okay. In mm-hmm. terms of, yeah, like some immigrants who pay taxes and that can't vote. Like it's yeah, it's that just- happened. That that actually happened to my mom uh, when she was working in Spain. Um, she was paying taxes. She was working in Spain, but she couldn't vote. Actually, couldn't vote either uh, in Belgium for some time, and I couldn't vote either in the UK because I have a UK passport, and I couldn't vote because I've been out of the UK for more than fifteen years. So mm. I'm like a. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> I know, I know when it when it comes to not allowing people to vote. Yeah, but um, if, you at, if you look at where where these issues are arising, it will be, it, it, it will be, um, it won't be rich communities. I think also with um, democratic obstacles and the political system, oh, sorry, the, the electoral systems in each country do need to be addressed because not two people define democracy in the same way. I do think that the electoral college is not the best way of actually have, having, that, having that done. Well, I A lot- to mention USPS, the active defunding of the USPS by the Trump administration, keeping vote, um, mail-in voters from voting, especially during a pandemic. Um, and in, now, especially because of the pandemic, they want to, they're saying that mail-in voting has, is corru- can be corruptible. Yeah, I saw so that. that. Yeah, I've like been seeing that Colorado, a lot. Colorado as a whole has mostly been voting in, in mail. Yeah. I've been seeing that a lot. And that was a problem. So that's a lie. I saw saw someone that said, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, that in California, you could go basically, you you could do proxy voting. I don't know what proxy is. But basically, so let's say I go to vote one day, right? And I'm called George. I put my name and I vote. The next day I can go vote for my neighbor. That's called Patrick. Mm. And I can put his name down and say, okay, I'm voting for Patrick as proxy voting. Do you know anything? is that real? Have you seen that? Or is this something that it's, it's said they're trying to implement? This one, I'm, I'm not sure about his veracity. I haven't really made the research, but um, Dave Rubin I, said this. Do you know who Dave Rubin is? No. Uh, he's a, um, well, you're not going to like him. He's a gay, uh, well, he used to be a uh, liberal. Well, he's still a, a classic liberal, but now I don't like him that much either because he's become a big Trump supporter because of his hate yeah. of Joe Biden. So, of course, uh, of course, a Trump supporter would say that. Um, yeah, I, no, no, I know, I know. I know the bias in the, in the claim. Yeah. I'll do my research on it and I'll get back to you, but that doesn't okay. seem well, and that doesn't seem smart either. So That's interesting. Anyway, yes, I think male voting and the obstacles generally for the population, everyone should have the right to have the same opportunities in terms of voting. And, uh, and that's something that has to be checked on. And I don't think it can be translated to one country to another. Uh, generally, uh, for example, no, for I people... I believe every, every other country does this better than we do. 
Absolutely. Um, maybe, probably, probably. Like, for example, but there's a big issue also for expats in, in Europe, for example, Spanish, uh, Spanish citizens that live in Brussels have it very, very difficult to vote because mm. the, the embassies are completely organized in such a bad way that you never get your letter in time in order to vote for the elections. And there are big issues in terms of obstacles that people face when it comes to voting. Uh, nevertheless, those are some issues that do need uh, discussing and underlining. Uh, let's not speak much about that. But now that I have been speaking about voting, I want to see a bit what you think about now Biden, I, Trump, ah! and how it's going to go on the 4th, right? The 4th, so very soon. Very soon, yeah. on the 4th of November, on Thursday, I think. Well, I, I, it's on Tuesday, I believe. Wait, let me see. Yeah, uh, yeah I heard Tuesday. Oh, but the second, yeah. The 3rd, um, okay, yeah. Okay. Third, yeah. Oh, yeah, 3rd. Um, but yeah, so... Um, I hate Biden, but I voted for him. I, it's, it was really painful for me. It was like, um, which one? <laughs> well, yeah, honestly, like I, for a very long time, I was not going to vote, but especially in terms of the Supreme Court um, and in climate change. Uh, I do think a lot of people also from the, from the, let's say, so do you know people like Sam Harris, uh, Brett Weinstein, um, uh, Eric Weinstein, these people? Have you ever heard of their names? No. Brett, so there are. Brett sounds familiar. Are they journalists? Yeah. No, no. Brett was a uh, was a uh, bi um, uh, biology teacher in a mm. university, and Eric, his brother, is something to do with. Uh, well, they're both podcasters now, right? They do podcasts and this kind of things. And Sam Harris is a, is is a neuroscientist. But basically, what, what why I'm bringing these these names up is because they've been always full democratic. And now they can't stand any of, 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 of the options they have, right? And I think it's as much for the left side of the U.S. than for the right side of the U.S. Uh, of course, there are these uh, do-or-die Trump supporters in, uh, supporters in a sense, but I think a lot of people have lost their options uh, on both sides of the, of the political spectrum. They say, okay, I might have libertarian ideals or classic liberal ideals, but Trump does not represent me whatsoever, and Biden does not either. So how, how do you think that issue's been, how do you I, see it in the United States? How do people get? It's, it's very hard to see, like, although this country absolutely is bipartisan in terms of like their parties. In terms of thought, um, Biden is very much a moderate conservative. He doesn't believe in the legalization of marijuana. He doesn't yeah. believe in extended maternity. Exactly. He doesn't believe in, in, the, in the abolishing of the police and he's probably gonna give more money to them by reform. And so in terms of my personal values and where I align myself politically and socially he has nothing to do with me, but because there really is a, a fascist on the other end, um, there, there, there isn't the luxury of, of choosing. Uh, my problem is, is that the average American, the average white American shows up every, every four years to vote and they feel that they've done their part. Voting Biden, I think, is going to be going to, I don't think it's going to change anything, but it won't do that much further damage than another Trump presidency will do. I think Biden work to be done outside of this election, because the fact that we're stuck with these two old sexual assaulters that are pieces of, sorry, pieces of shit and, and bad po politicians, bad governors, bad people, bad speakers, um, really very stupid, stupid people. It's, it's the fact that these are our options shows that this country as a democracy is inherently failing. What I've always said is that Trump has basically made a mockery out of uh, 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 United States politics in the United States. Um, I think it was, we were all shocked when he got elected. Mm. And I think basically because Hillary played it so bad. And I, 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 I always say the Republicans never won, the Democrats lost. Yeah, absolutely, and the and the DNC absolutely screwed itself over um, Debbie yeah. Schultz and the scandal with with um, the fact that the DNC was act actively pushing Hillary for the primaries and and finding ways to delegitimize Bernie Sanders. That shows that we don't have a democracy even within our parties. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. I I mean I I don't align myself with the Democratic Party. I mean, just I, look I, what happened between uh, between Harris and Biden throughout throughout the primaries. I mean, they were just completely attacking each other, and now they they are, like they they're best friends. Kamala, um, so Kamala Harris saying more than once that Joe Biden, you're a racist. Joe Biden, you're this. Joe Biden, you're that. And he absolutely is. And, and now and now she's like Joe Biden, you're my friend, you're my buddy. Uh, yeah. You're not racist. You're the best thing that ever happened to the United States. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's it's trash.
it's 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 a it's a really it's a it's horrible and it shows again like that this isn't a left issue and this isn't a right issue this shows that how the u.s government yeah yeah it's a complete joke up, has been set up its foundation is failing yeah and that's why a lot of things need to be abolished u.s <laughs> and, politics u.s politics are so funny to be honest uh it's reality tv yeah oh 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 you need to watch spanish politics then i think spanish politics will be a a right laugh but in any case yeah i think by uh i think trump will win again specifically because biden has to can't really get a consensus in the left because like you said his policies i mean biden will probably be a center-right candidate in europe right so he he he, absolutely he, he, he can't get a consensus uh on the left and at the same time the people that he might have on the classic liberal side he will not get because he's playing the identity politics game also with uh, with Harris, so that so there are two sides of it. He, he can't get one side of the voters. He can't get the other side of the voters. And I think the only people that are voting for Biden is because they are 100% anti-Trumpers and because they do not want Trump in power. That's the only reason why they're voting for Biden if they vote but for it, him. It's, it's not only that we're anti-Trump, although absolutely we are. It's that we are not conservative. That like it's not only that we don't align with Trump's values, that I don't align with any Republican values, most of the Republican values in the way that they represent, are represented in the US. Um, when I see a conservative in, in, in terms of what they represent politically, I see someone who doesn't want me to get married, who doesn't want me to have sexual health, who doesn't want me to have actual um, um, health in terms of, of Medicare, who doesn't want me to to be in this country because I'm an immigrant who doesn't want me to, it's, it's very difficult to side um, or to find points of agreement with people who actively deny your right to exist in this country. So I think that's in a sense where identity politics is, needs to be addressed that al- although I don't solely disagree, I don't solely um, hate Trump because of the way he is, it's that, like as a Jew and as a woman, I'm actively invalidated by um, by a Republican government, and my rights are taken away. Like with this um, um, conservative new confirmation for the Supreme Court, who is absolutely unqualified and believes that God sent her to stop abortions and gay marriage, I am affected by that. Um, and it has, and it's not a party problem. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's the fact that the government is set up to fail me. Okay. So in a general sense, basically, your identity doesn't allow you to be represented by these people. It not only doesn't allow me that my identity is negated by these people. So it's not only that I'm uncomfortable with it. It's, it's I'm, my existence as a person is actively in odds with what they believe. Because I'm a, success, I'm a smart, successful, good immigrant. I am a loyal, kind, queer person. And I am uh, neither a rapist or a um, whatever stereotype come from Latin America. I am, I am actively um, at odds with everything they claim me to be. So no, it's, 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 it's more than an uncomfortable space. It's more that my existence invalidates their claims and their claims invalidates my existence. And same, it's like for, for a conservative person to say that there are no racist laws and that racism isn't legally prevalent in, in terms of, of our of, of the prison system and everything you are actively invalidating um and and saying that this life that someone has led and this life that someone that has been imposed on someone doesn't exist so that's why in terms of of ex- extremism of thought or why we can't see eye to eye is because there are so many factors in place where this negation and these claims are are actually really violent and and there's no way to make peace with it because as a human being i can't exist in those spaces okay so trump being basically an imminent threat to all of this biden also but a bit less absolutely absolutely so predictions then for this uh because of voter suppression and because of the way yeah or or fake news or everything that i'm saying um primarily because of voter suppression not because of a lack of wanting to vote for the youth i can tell you that um because of voter suppression and because of electoral college, um, Trump will absolutely be winning this election. Yeah, I also yeah, I also think and, so. And God help us. Seriously, <laughs> I am scared. I am. I actually, the what, one thing I like to say, I thought it was going to be a lot worse in it 2016. Is. 
the thing is the thing is it, it is worse than you think it is and 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 i think that's like the, the really the, the 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 gist of it's as someone who who lives in brooklyn and i still exist in in because i'm latina but physically like i look white and i exist in america in in a specific way um i'm not targeted by police and so i see things and even i don't even see the full the full spectrum of it so it really is very horrible it's really bad. I really, I, I really want to go back to the US. Last time I was there was in 2015, I think it was. And I, and I, and I actually quite liked it. Actually, I mean, I love the 80 cents one liter Coke that you could get at Wendy's. That was just, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Uh-huh. No, no, it was bottomless Coke that you could get. Yeah, so, of course. It was, oh my God. I would, oh. Maybe. Yeah. Oh my God. And and I had Chipotle for the first time also in the US. Oh, that's the only good thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I ate, oh my God, what did I eat in the US? Camp chowder and all this stuff. Oh no, actually, I actually loved, I actually liked it quite a bit in the US. I was only there for a month. So mm-hmm. not, not uh, as much as I would like to, but I really want to go and see a bit firsthand what's happening there and a bit what. Um, and what, like, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be in contact be- because of, of who I know with incredible like black organizers who who really are truly um dedicated to the success of not only their community but of people and it's it's i'm very like in terms of abolishment in terms of 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 all these things you really have to depend on human nature and a big argument of conservatism is that humans are inherently corrupt and that you do need to some extent law like the the bible to to keep you in order and in terms of like the democrats um you need laws to keep you in order but i believe like truly from what i'm seeing here uh, in in terms of mutual aid of of helping people in terms of paying rent of of providing food of doing all these things human like people really want to change and people really want to live in a community that is peaceful and that it doesn't have the police that doesn't have rape that doesn't have murder and i really believe from what i'm physically seeing and experiencing again from a position of privilege i'm in new york it's very very um liberal but from what i'm seeing i do know that that is a possibility and and kibbutz have done it indigenous communities have done it and i do believe that that's the only way that we're going to survive to end on one note, I think everyone w- wants what you're saying, generally. I think most of the population does want that, whether on the right or the left, specifically in Europe, or even yeah. in the US. I, I, I do think actually that a lot of Republicans do want that most people live the best lives as possible, right? It's just the way that people interpret that or the information that they've gathered and a bit the virtual reality in which we live in that not people are going to get the same information for what same, for what's, for one same event or one same fact. So I, I generally do think that most of the people there they do want the best thing for everyone. Uh, but it's just, of course, the way people interpret that way and what's the best way forward, it, it changes uh, and it differs. I think the question, the big question there is, what are you willing to give up? Because I think when people see equal rights, they see sacrifice, right? They yeah. see, oh, like, if you lose your power over someone else, you lose power, that is true. But in terms of, like, the big, oh, communism is scared, oh, everyone wants to live in the same house, like, they're going to take my things away, they're going to take... It, it's not in terms of physically, what are you willing to, to, to sacrifice? But in terms of your power, like for example, like my power, like as, as a white person, as a white body existing in, in America, um, my, like I, I have a certain amount of privilege. Like I could carry my friend's weed for her, my black friend's weed for her on the subway when I'm on my way to, like when we're traveling together. Something that simple because I'm less likely to get searched. In terms of like, that day that you and I met, um, what are you willing to give up? Like you, um, I know that either all of you were willing to fight these men if you had to. So in terms of like that, that <laughs> camaraderie, you were willing to give that up to make space for me and my friends. So in terms of how do we get there? It's, it's very much, what are you willing to give up? What power, do, what privilege do you see within yourself that you know that you get from other people? You know, you get that you get to walk safely in the street because the police are somewhere else. I actually, I actually always say what you said about drug dealers. I never understand why small-time drug dealers never wear a suit. I mean, if they wear a suit, they would, they would never get caught. They would the never get is, caught. No, but the thing is, like, black people would. Like, uh, but it's, it's, it's very like in, in the U.S. It really is a, a crowd. Like, you, like, if, if, if a white cop sees a, a black man in a nice car, he will assume that it's stolen. Like, it really is so um, deeply entrenched in, 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 in their not only like customs, but on, on 
who they've arrested before and what cases have set precedent. And racial profiling and uh... exactly, they know who to look out for. That's yeah. who they're. That's what they're doing on purpose. So it's. I think uh, yeah. Well, we can get into all of that maybe on another episode. But I think for today, <laughs> it's been enough. I'm, 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 I really don't know for how long we've we've spoken. I mean, I, I don't have the time. So I think it's probably been two or three hours, maybe. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, in any case, uh, yes. I mean, we've spoken about quite a lot of things. We will sure. have now after this a, a, a short sum up between you and I when I finish when I when I am recording. In any case, um, yes. So thank you very much for listening to today's podcast with. Uh, uh, with, with Natalie. So Natalie, do you have any anything anything to add to finish uh, this episode? No, I mean, thank you so much for having me. I think <laughs> thank you for you for actually, uh, yeah, for coming. I think uh, I think it's been awesome. I think like in terms of, of, of like we're living in such divided times that if you can have these conversations, you yeah, should. Yeah, com- completely, completely. more commonality than you believe. I agree. <laughs> that I completely agree. I think these conversations are mostly needed now, specifically with people that don't agree with each other. Um, I mean, I mean, we agree on a lot of things, but then on other things we actually don't agree. So I think it's very interesting in that regard because I do think if I if I if I would if I would be in the US, I would be a uh, well a, a big leftist, let's say, in the US in in that regard. But I'm not in Europe, of course. So in Europe, I'm called a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we can speak about that on another episode. Uh, ah. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. Well, uh, on that note, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, I'm Isma Pai Civico. I'm Natalie Mlikota. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. And this was The Civic Podcast. See you next time. <laughs>